Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. At the end of the 2023 season, we knew we were going to lose a ton of our top-end forward premiums. We were farewelling Goulburn. Dunkley, Taranto, Cornelio, Zach Butters. We knew we were losing some big fantasy football names. And while for Connor Rosie might not be the biggest name of all, for me, he's the one I'm the most disappointed to say farewell to in my forward lines. The good news is we might be able to say hello to him as a premium midfielder in 2024. It's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you're well. We are talking about Connor Rosie today. He's number 14 in my 50 most relevant. And joining me to talk about the new Port Adelaide captain is our resident Port Adelaide expert. He's also a member of the Pod Pod community. Louis, nice to see you talking about one of your boys from the pair today. Yeah, you too, mate. And uh, what an exciting player to talk about, Connor Rosie. He's uh, definitely announced himself as one of the premier, uh, not only players of the competition, but also fantasy scorers. And uh, it's no surprise he's so high up in the 50 most relevant this year because he's one of those players that is that modern type midfielder who who just does it all. And it really does equate to not only uh, somebody who's great to watch, but somebody we can start to rely on pretty consistently from a fantasy perspective now. If we look at what he did, just from a highlights perspective in 2023, he gave us a seasonal average of a 107.5 in Supercoach. That means he's priced just literally $1,200 over that $600,000 mark. 14 tons, a season high score of 141. It's about 20 points skinny of what his career high score personal best is a 162 while over in AFL fantasy and dream team a seasonal average of 105.8 16 tons that year gone by meaning he's super expensive but not quite a million dollar man a 956k price tag is what you're looking at in AFL fantasy and just a touch under 980,000 in dream team a season high was also a career high score for us last year a 145 Louis, it's probably been the past 30 or 35 games that fans outside of the Port Adelaide football fraternity have really got to see just how good of a footballer Connor is, and it's no surprise that he's the new leader of this football club. Since being injected into that midfield full-time in the midway portion of 2022, he's just been an all-Australian calibre footballer. Silky skillful on the outside. On the left and the right, if you give him a half centimetre of space, he will exploit it for the benefit of his football club. If he's in tight and winning a contested moment, trying to get a clearance, he's so hard to get a hand on. Those shake and bakes, that shimmy to the left and the right, makes him so hard to be able to tackle. And yet, if he's not the first to the ball and is beaten by the opposition, he will happily apply incredible defensive pressure. And if there's a chance to spread and create for his team, he does that too. He does pretty much everything well, Louis. There's not much to like and there's not many holes to poke in where he could improve. He's already at such a young age, one of the best midfielders in the AFL. 
Absolutely, mate. And a lot of that comes from his ability to be so versatile and so skillful in a number of roles. So we know that he is an absolute star of a midfielder, and we'll dive into that a little bit later in this podcast. But his ability to even go forward uh, and impact the scoreboard and just keep that fantasy score ticking over at all times is what makes him such a valuable player. And uh, he really has quite a high ceiling because of that, because quite often we see some of the best midfielders which we pick, which we pick every single year will go that 110 average, but it'll be, be built on very much disposals, uh, tackles, marks, whereas Connor Rosie's ability to, to hit the scoreboard, I mean, we're talking 21 goals last year, including 18 behinds. So those scoring shots too are just through the roof for a player like him and why there is so much upside for him this year. Yeah, he's coming in at that 105 average in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 16 tons. Uh, you probably want to see a little bit more conversion of hundreds to 120s, just five over 120, but there is three over 130 and a couple of, of really nice captaincy scores. So if you're looking for some potential growth pathway, you certainly can find a comfortable way to do that. Just the two scores under 80 last year and ranked 10th in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team for total points. He's 16th overall for averages. While you're flipping over to Supercoach, that 107.5 average, 14 tons, five over 120. And because of the way he does use the ball, we do see a little bit more frequent ceiling in that format in terms of the monster score. So you got a couple of 140 plus scores. He only dropped his scoring once under 90 all year or twice under 90 all year and once under 80 all year with a season low score of 75. He's ranked inside the top 15 for total points, 26th for all players as an average 19th for mids but Louis the season went on it's like Connor got better we know there was that hot kind of half of the season where Port Adelaide looked like absolutely this on fire dynamic team but as the season went on he went better like in AFL fantasy in his final 14 games only one score under 100. Post buy, he goes at a 113.4. And that's including, this is for AFL Fantasy, two over 135, three over 120. And six of those 14 tons were over 110. While in Supercoach, he goes at a 109 post buy. And he only has the one score under 90 in his final 19 games. And so that's similar to what we saw at the end of last year too. We've now got really 18 months or 30, 35 games of data that give us confidence that he's pushing that 110 number across the formats. And you mentioned this interesting point. I'm, I'm keen on your take from a Port Adelaide perspective, but he is so hard to stop. And you look at how rounded his scoring is, like you mentioned. Round 16 against Essendon. He goes 140 across the formats, but he does it with three goals, nine tackles, nine marks, and only 23 possessions. While a month earlier against Melbourne, 31 possessions, five tackles, five marks, and goes 121 in AFL Fantasy and 140 in Supercoach. So it's not like he's dependent on he must be a high accumulated a score. Well, because as you mentioned, he impacts in all arenas that we need to score. It makes you confident that no matter what's going on in and around that game, that Connor's going to do enough to get that triple figure score for you. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next 
will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Yeah, 100%, mate. And um, of those players in AF that averaged over 100, and let's let's uh, remember he averaged 106, he was actually the equal lowest disposal average of all those players, which uh, just points again to how much he's actually doing outside of just accumulating the football. So with such a young player, he's just turned 24 years old. He's jumped up from 50% CBAs last year up to, sorry, two seasons ago, up to 69% last year. You can see where the trajectory is heading here and it wouldn't be a massive surprise to anybody if he can add to that disposal tally, get another, you know, two, three, four touches. He's only at the 26 disposal average, which uh, is down that lower end for midfielders. But uh, just knowing that he has that ability to score through other avenues and his versatility doesn't actually affect him like it can some players uh, is just super encouraging. So twice last year he had 30 possessions or more, so which is incredible. Again, you've got this guy that's in that 105 average range across the formats, a fraction over across the formats, to only have two games where he's accumulating high volume of ball gives you that confidence. Because I think if we're picking him in our starting squad, Louis, and we want to turn now focusing on 2024 – it is with the belief you're going to see some scoring growth from where he's at. Because to pay for a 105 guy to get a 105 guy, okay, you're at net neutral, but really he's in the price range where you're now wanting to have some confidence that at least every second or third week, if not most weeks, you could put a VC or C on him and be confident with the outcome. So you are hoping for a growth pathway of at least five points per game outside of adding some possessions that could come there through, like you said, natural evolution in his game, natural development as a youngster, outside of just picking up another possession or two per game and all of a sudden he's at that 110 without even trying, where else do you see some natural growth that we could then as a fantasy community and super coach community see, right, the pathway to our 110 midfielder is secured? Well, I think this one's really interesting stat here, actually, MJ. So last year, surprisingly, Port were the lowest overall fantasy scoring side. So accumulatively, uh, out of every team in the comp, they uh, scored the least amount of fantasy points, which uh, is a little bit of an anomaly for Port Adelaide. In previous years, they've actually been quite high up there. So suggest maybe a little bit of a game style change. But uh, the best thing about when you finish last is you can only go up. And uh, I, th I think we are going to see a little bit of a, I think we're going to see that raise just a little bit next year as they tweak some different things. And uh, when I look at the market share, which I'm sure people have seen on X uh, posted as a stat recently, he's at 7.2% of this already low total fantasy score. So assuming that this goes up to the mid range table, uh, and I think that's relatively easy. We're only talking about 100 fantasy points, and we'll explore why that might happen a little bit later. Then, assuming he can hold that same market share, then straight away you can point to six points of upside just based on that alone, and that's not taking into account natural progression of his game as, like you said, a midfielder who's only really been in the role for, for the last 18 months. Twice last year, Connor Rosie was tagged. Round four against the Swans, he gets a 69 in AFL Fantasy and an 84 in Supercoach. The second time, Hayden Young lines up on him in round 23. He delivers an 89 in AFL Fantasy and a 75 in Supercoach. Just a few days in this series, uh, a few days ago, we spoke about Zach 
butters. And it does feel that there's two leading tag options right now in this Port Adelaide midfield. Historically, it was Wines and nothing. Now, Butters and Rosie probably feel like the core two, although it wouldn't shock me if by the end of the year, both Wines and Horn Francis also put themselves into considerations if they have the seasons that their trajectory is heading for based on their pre-seasons. For you, is it a lock stock, Butters is always the tag or Rosie is always the tag or is it matchup dependent? What's your take on who's going to cop the tags this year from Port Adelaide, if anyone? Look, I think it is going to be matchup dependent as all things are, mate. But as we've already touched on a couple of times, the versatility is what's going to make Connor Rosie extremely hard to tag. As he's a really capable lead up forward and he can sneak up there and he doesn't have to score his points as, as that pure midfielder. Whereas a Butters is much more of a contested sort of midfield guy. And uh, when you do look at Butters, I, I'm, I'm looking at the AFL Co- Coaches Association Award. He won it last year. So there's clearly... Uh, coaches uh, in the AFL who are identifying Zach Butters as being that guy who is tearing up their teams, the one that is constantly performing. And you go even to the Brownlow votes, and I know not everybody rates what the umpires think, but to get up to 27 as well, it does put a little bit of a red circle around your name. And uh, Butters being slightly less versatile, he's an absolute gun, and he can do other things as well besides just be that midfield beast. But I think he is, of the two, the one that's going to be slightly easier to tag. And uh, if he is being tagged, then that does open up another avenue again for Connor Rosie to, to get a little bit more of that ball. And if, like you said, you push him forward, good luck if you're that defender and he is the guy you're going to stop. If you look at this early fixture for Port Adelaide, they come up against West Coast, Richmond, Melbourne, Essendon, Fremantle, and Collingwood. That's a fantastic run for midfielders through there, which is super important because we are navigating through a series of best 18 matchups during that. So you've got a guy who's playing every week through that, who from a fixture perspective has a really nice matchup, no real alarming tags. Maybe a a young will play on him again, but Richmond, we don't know what they're going to play, but historically they don't really run a tag. Essendon, do they put a Will Setterfield on him? Well, time will see. Viney might try to play accountable, but good luck trying to do that. Connor runs off him. West Coast, who knows what they're going to do in Collingwood. They're just confident they're going to beat you. Even if you beat them at stoppage and clearance, they're just confident they're going to beat you anywhere else. So the good news is there's a lot of green based on 2023 historical data that gives you confidence I've got myself a guy that's going to help me through the first six weeks. I've got a guy that's got a nice matchup through the first six weeks. Oh, and then he's got that magnificent round 13 buy where all of a sudden the easiest buy round to navigate for the year is round 13, where it's just port and Fremantle off. Everybody else is available. Easy to cover that with a best 18. And then every other best 18 round. So the other seven, you have Connor Rosie available. So if you believe there's that potential growth curve of a 110 plus, mate, he's an absolute lock to start going around. However, we mentioned this a little bit in the Butters episode. We'll get to a Butters versus Rosie thought in a moment because we can't talk about one when then have revealed the other and not talk about it. But do you think Ollie Wine's coming in 
to the midfield more frequently. He still had 50% CBAs over the year, and it did diminish as the year went on, but was still quite high in various portions of the year. Uh, from a Port Adelaide perspective, as, as a supporter and someone that's even gone down to some match simulation uh, already and watched them at Alberton, do you see Ollie Wines coming in to this midfield mix, not impacting the role of Connor Rosie? Because I think as the captain, he's pretty safe in that midst. Do you see that impacting the ceiling and the ability for him to go from a 105, 107 guy to a 110, maybe even pushing 115 if we're lucky? No, I don't, mate. And I think potentially even uh, Wines being back in there could actually help him just because Wines is very much that hit-to-ball guy within the contest, whereas even though Rosie is very capable of doing that, he probably does his most damaging stuff on the outside and he's able to get involved in those link-up chains throughout the contest. And if he's got a guy like Ollie Wines, who it's easy to forget he was a Brownlow medalist just a couple of years ago, feeding it out to him, uh, that's a massive win for him. And when we look at the clearances uh, last year, Rosie wasn't a massive clearance guy. He was at 3.76, which was pretty much equal with what Wines was doing as well, despite him having a bit of a regression in the CBAs. So uh, we will touch on Butters quite a bit in this podcast, obviously, because those two are definitely the, the it guys at Port Adelaide. But I think it's more somebody like a Butters who uh, does love getting into that contest, hitting the ball with speed right off of the Ruckman's tap work, who's going to be more affected by Wines, whereas a whereas a Connor Rosie, he likes that little bit of extra space. And how often did we see him sitting out the back of stoppage last season uh, on that 50-meter arc and pretty much just off of one step, he was able to, to hit the scoreboard frequently. So his weapons really, I think, complement... Um, Wines also being in that midfield there. And uh, I don't think we're going to see uh, a regression for Rosie's CBAs in there with Wines coming in. I think there will, um, with some of the maybe third stringer guys, there might be a bit more of a flattening out in terms of what they do. And I'm talking like a, like a Willem Drew, for example. And as you know, there's always those random guys that pop through at 25% CBAs that we never really give too much attention that might be out of there. But uh, for me, I see Port Adelaide as probably lining up with Wines, Butters uh, and Connor Rosie, uh, as well as J Jason Horn francis as that fourth banana. But uh, at all times, I think we will see that dynamic duo of Zach Butters and Connor Rosie in the midfield just because uh, they are so damaging and they each bring different things to the table. Let's not diminish the fact that Port Adelaide, for the first time in a number of seasons, now feel like they're going to be competitive at ruck stoppages. They, for the past few years, have had Scott Lysette running around on one leg. They've had a Jeremy Finlayson, who is a handy relief ruck, not your lead ruck. And Charlie Dixon, again, you want to talk about a guy that's on one leg. Unfortunately, he's pretty much spent the last couple of years of his AFL career on one leg. Now, why an Olden, Ivan Soldo and a Jordan Sweet are hardly the most elite rucks in the competition. They are a significant elevation for this football club based on what they've had. So you think super coach for a minute, you look at his average and you're like, oh, he's a 105. Butters is five to eight points per game, better than him in that format. No, no, no. They're no longer having to ruck off the opposition ruckman. They're now going to get hit outs to advantage, which will leave 
lead into score involvements inside 50s. They're going to get better servicing at stoppages around the ground with a much more competitive ruck. So to me, I'm looking at this Port Adelaide midfield, whether it be for Butters, Wines, or Rosie as options you're considering. And I'm going, they're now getting better first touch of the ball. They're now getting more chance to win stoppages, clearances, first touch, second touch. And this could be that area that Louis has talked about where we might see an elevation in their scoring where they're now not reacting to what's happening in the midfield due to a lack of quality in that ruck line. They've now got a quality option in terms of a standard up. It's not a Max Gorn. Sure, it's not a Sean Darcy. Sure, but they've got a very, very, very good option rolling through there. Let's talk... Yes. Sorry, MJ. I was just going to um, touch on that as well. And it's a fantastic point that you make. And a dominant ruckman for a midfield group is just so important. And we look at some of the dominant rucks of the past and just I'll rattle off these names and just think about the midfields that were uh, playing under these rucks and what they were able to average. And English probably last season is the obvious one with three dogs going over 100 with that sort of silver service as he came into his own. But You look at Grundy in previous years when he was at the Pies, they had a really high fantasy scoring midfield. Uh, Max Gorn, as you mentioned, Paddy Ryder back in 2019 when he was feeding it down to Travis Boak, he was able to go at 107. Uh, Sean Darcy, as you mentioned, look at the the, uh, Caleb Sarongs and the Brayshaws and what they're doing and you want to go right back in time, throw in uh, Stefan Martin, for example, and you had those... You had those Brisbane Lions that were pretty much putting up 115s nearly every single week. So if Rosie and Butters, uh, to a lesser extent, because he's not the uh, this is not what the episode is about, can take advantage of Soldo or Sweet's tap work uh, compared to what a Lysette or a Charlie Dixon or a Finlayson in years past have been able to do, then right there, naturally, you can actually see a few more possessions for them, can't you? You really can. So Butters versus Rosie feels like where a lot of people are getting stopped at. They they look at that round 13 buy that we've alluded to. We've already talked now th- about three of the premium midfielders already in the 50 most relevant that are really critical to our structures. We've already spoken about Sarong, Butters, and now Rosie. I wonder if Andy Brayshaw is going to make the list. Okay. You know he is. The question is when, not if. I haven't dropped the bag that bad, but... $30,000 is what you save, give or take, in Supercoach by starting Rosie over Butters. In AFL Fantasy, it's around about a $60,000 difference, but it's reversed. Butters presents a little bit more value, quote unquote, potential. So it's not as simple as one or the other. And the money's a bit different, but it's negligible. So, Louis. How do we split the difference between these two? If you are stuck between, I want one of them, but I don't know which. I know sometimes the cheaper option always wins out. For you, what makes the difference in the decision-making process of Rosie over Butters? Outside of the dollars, what for you helps you make that decision? For me, mate, it actually comes down to being a captain option. Uh, I'm not saying that Zach Butters doesn't have that ability to push those 110s and have a ceiling, but I just feel a little bit more confident in uh, Connor Rosie, as we've mentioned a couple of times in this podcast, having that consistency to be able to build a consistent floor and not actually burn you if you are going to give him the captaincy honours. And there is 
I know Zach Butters has played quite a bit of footy in the last couple of years, but there is still that nagging thing in the back of your head when you do watch him play football because he's very sort of kamikaze-like. He's a bull out the gates and he does pick up little niggles uh, that you see from time to time. And that's the sort of thing that does make you nervous uh, when you're putting someone like that with the captain armband. I also think that somebody like a Zach Butters can really impact a game uh, and not necessarily have to or score a high fantasy score. Whereas Connor Rosie does it in so many different ways that you've just got that confidence that he can hit that ceiling score, but more more importantly, have that consistency of 110 average. If you think Connor Rosie's heading towards a 110 plus score across the formats and heading into in AFL fantasy, that puts you into captaincy consideration and banging right on that door for you in Supercoach. If you believe he's going 110, it's really hard not to start him considering the buys, structurally how that helps you through that early portion of the season and that early fixture matchup that we ran through just before. It's really hard not to start him if you believe he's going 110. And for me, it's a tackle away. It's one mark which unlocks another disposal and a possession away. He's that close to being a 110 guy already. It's even a bit more accuracy in front of goal, mate. He was going at 50% strike rate. So if he can turn that up to even 65%, straight away you've got a few extra points. Uh, and that's all you need when you're picking somebody at that 106 price tag because quite quickly you do start to jump up to pretty much the top echelon fantasy players. And uh, it's not often that we can spin a really uh, quite easy narrative of a guy priced at 106 of having all this upside and uh, it's it's sort of like, where does it stop, MJ? What what are you thinking he can average in 2024? I, I think in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, I, I think his basement is what he is right now. That 105 is really what he's done for a year and a half in this role. So I've got supreme confidence that this is the lowest that he goes. Um, where could he get up to? I think his ceiling average in AFL Fantasy is he can push that 115. And it wouldn't shock me if one time in his career, he gives us the unicorn 120 season as well. I'm not so sure it'll be this year, given Wines, Horn, Francis, Butters all rolling through there. But I think 115 is his peak of what we might get for us this year. But to be honest, in that form, it's anything 110 plus is a top line, top eight midfielder for us for the year. In Supercoach, I don't see a world where he doesn't go 110 this year. I'm really quite confident. As you said, a little bit more accuracy in front of goals, one possessional point impact. And he's got the lowest, as Louis mentioned in AFL Fantasy, the lowest possessions rate of a players that go 100 plus. So to me, I'm looking at all these areas in Supercoach going, yeah, he's going to put this team on his shoulders. They were really disappointed with how the season went. I feel like he's got another gear to go. So I don't see how he doesn't go under 110, which is where in Super Coach, you might go, well, if Butters is going about 110 and Rosie's going 110, I'll take the cheaper option, which is why some in AFL Fantasy are doing the inverse of that and going, well, if I think Butters is going 110 and Rosie's going 110, I'll take the cheaper option. It very much does depend what you forecast they'll become, which will unlock the keys about whether you start one, both, or none of them. But politely, I think you've got to start one of these round 13 premium mids for structural purposes and versatility through the early buys. The question is which and how many. Let's turn the corner to drafts as we look to wrap up this episode, Louis. Based on seasonal average, he's actually pushing towards that M3 spot to M2 spot in Supercoach and an M2 in AFL Fantasy. But it all depends 
how many coaches, how many on-field midfielders, how many um, you've got to play on field. These become the variables. My question is this. A, a good coach will luckily land him at M2, especially if they're going mid-mid with their first two picks. What would be the justification for you in purely AFL fantasy for a moment to pick him as an M1? What's the narrative of what you're doing? Is it because you're picking him with your first pick in the first round or you're doing something else in the first round? What, what's your take on why he could become an M1? Oh, just based on everything we've said earlier, mate, I think the upside is there. And when you're picking somebody already priced at that 106, he and as you mentioned, he is already nudging that M1 range now. So if you do think that there is that natural uh, progression in his game, remembering he's only 24, he's just been given the captaincy. Uh, everything that we've mentioned in this episode, I can really see why he would be uh, a staple of somebody's side in that M1 pillar. I'd happily take him at M1, depending on where my draft positioning sits, try to securing one of those rucks, get your Nick Dacos types, happily take him there on that turn in the second round. I, I don't see him as a first round pick, but I can see him as someone very much in that early portion of the second round going off draft boards and could be your M2 if you're like, nah, I'm just going mid, mid. I'll, I'll be really happy with that. Again, remember, if you're playing through those early rounds and you want to try to maximize and bank some wins, it's just as important in a football sense where your team's trying to bank four points every single week early in the year to ease pressure as you go deeper into the season for fantasy footy it could be you know what i'm i'm going to attack the early part of the fixture and i'm going to target a little bit of these guys that i know early on are going to help me and so i'll take the flexibility of a i'll take a Rosie over a golden for example while golden might score more by average or over the season it's the availability over that first six weeks that might just tip you over the line. While in Supercoach, I think he's going to go at that M2 spot. But I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him going at an M3 spot. He's 19th for all midfielders by average in Supercoach. So if you're drafting off seasonal history, that's M2. But Steele, Miller, Walsh, Kelly, got him on the podcast, Taranto are all lower than him on average. So some might look at those names and go, no, I like them more. So I think M2 will be his ADP, but it wouldn't shock me if in the odd draft here or there, he goes at the M3 spot. Hey, Louis, love talking with you about your Port Adelaide boys. Connor's my favourite pair player, maybe of all time. He's just absolutely skillful to watch. And in a couple of the formats, I've got him locked away. Thanks for jumping on this episode, talking about your pair's new skipper. No, thanks, mate. If you want to go and read the article, it is online for you now at coachespanel.tv. In fact, that's where you can go and find all the players we've revealed so far in the 50 most relevant. We're already getting close to the top 10. And if you want to catch up on everything, you can go and read those articles. You can also check out the podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this episode, you can go back and listen to all the others. Simply search for the Coaches Panel. Subscribe so that as soon as the episodes are live, you can get them. Give it a five-star rating. A little review if you're an apple podcast we might read your review out as we head towards the end of the 50 most relevant and we've started doing these episodes as well as a ton of other stuff that will drop every single day in the preseason over at youtube we're on the charge to a thousand subscribers before the end of the 50 most relevant so if you haven't subscribed jump on over search for the coaches panel turn the notification bell on and as soon as we go live with the episodes, you get notified straight away. We're just 30 seconds away from a clue to tell you who's at number 13 in the 50 most relevant. But 
If you want to find out early, there's a real simple way. Become a part of our Patreon supporter group. The links are in the description of this episode. Our breakout and our premium tier supporters get a ton of different rewards, which do include day early access to these audio podcasts, as well as a ton of other great rewards during the season proper and the preseason. Or you can always jump in at that cash cow tier just to get your feet wet in the community and also just start getting some of the great rewards if you want to support the coaches panel because you've loved what you've got from us so far this preseason or years prior and you want some bonus content from us that's the place to go the patreon links in the description of this episode all right tomorrow we're going to wrap up the teens of the 50 most relevant what are we going to do tomorrow we're going to stay in south australia Okay, well, that narrows it down to two clubs, doesn't it? We've already done Butters. We've already done Rochelle. We've now already done Rosie. Who's left to go that I have got so highly relevant in the fantasy football community? Am I staying in the captain's lane and heading towards Jordan Dawson? Am I heading towards another spot over at Adelaide for a guy that's been one of the most consistent 110 plus performers across formats ever since he moved into the midfield in 2020 and has been a premium defender for years. Or am I talking about a teammate of Connor's that had a breakout defensive season last year and has just been criminally underrated for how good he was and how low his ownership is? Or is there a cash cow in one of these teams that might just be so important to our structures in 2024? I'm staying in South Australia. I'm picking from one of those two clubs. Who? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. Give it a go. Now keep-